Hello, everybody. Welcome to this edition of Project Next, the podcast that explores what's next in the world of brands, business, and culture. I'm your host, Brian Martin. Today, we're talking about the business of food. Joining us is a young chef who has made an extraordinary name for himself, Chef Flynn McGarry. Welcome, Flynn. Thanks so much for having me. Flynn, few people have dived into their calling with the passion you have at such an early age. At 12, you're running an early version of your restaurant, Eureka, out of your mother's home in San Fernando Valley. You were working at 11 Madison Park at age 15. You've staged at well-known restaurants like Alinea, Next, Geranium, Mayamo, and now at 20, you're running your own restaurant, Gem, in New York. Tell us what sparked all that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it all sort of started, I, I think, kind of in a very different way than it ended up being. It started as just like a little hobby. I thought um, cooking kind of seemed cool. My parents weren't really big cooks. We kind of just eat the same thing over and over again. And I would kind of like look at what we were making and be like, I think, what, what if we did this? And it was just sort of like a very like sort of started as a kind of exploratory thing where I just wanted to like learn about it. I mean, I was 10 years old and, and I don't know, I feel like, like as a 10 year, I had a million things I wanted to do, a million sort of interests. And then the second that I started doing that, everything else just sort of like fell away. That is kind of why it progressed so quickly was that the second that I started to do it and, and kind of had the energy of doing it, I didn't want to do anything else. So I just kind of devoted all of my time to it. And then how did you get to the point where you said, okay, let's open our doors and invite people into our home and charge them for a meal that I'm cooking at 12 years old? I mean, that, that took a little bit longer. Um, I was working in a couple of restaurants around Los Angeles and I was learning so much, but I didn't really have a creative outlet for it. I was cooking other people's food or if I was cooking my own, I was just cooking it for myself and kind of no point in cooking unless you're cooking for people. I so agree. It started as a very just sort of like my mom inviting her friends over for dinner. We, we, we didn't charge people at first. It took about okay. a year or two to charge people just because it was literally like it just became too expensive. It was like we were cooking for 25 people and it was like a 10 course menu and there was a <laughs> staff of like six people doing it. That was another thing where it was like it started out as just like a me cooking dinner for people. And then I was like, I want to do more. I want to do more. Like I want, even with different things that I wanted to cook, you needed this piece of equipment or this kind of plate. And so right. sort of brought all the incurring costs that come with that. <laughs> how do you, at 12 years old, like how do you get into a restaurant to help stage with them? Like how, did you know people? Did you just walk in the door and say, I'm good at this. Let me show you what I can do. Like we didn't know anyone. It was really just kind of like the way that a few places happened was very natural. It was like the first place is a place in Los Angeles um, called Raisin Stark Bar. And I met the chef at like a food event. And he was kind of like, who are you? Like I was like the one 12 year old there. And he was like, come hang out in the kitchen for a day. And then I guess he was like, oh, wait, you actually know what you're doing. But then it's always that sort of like once you're one place, you can go anywhere else. Because, right. Now you've got a resume. Yeah. And also like in the food industry, it's really about like you want your cooks to learn as much as possible. So they'd be like, oh, you're interested in this kind of food. My friend has a restaurant like this. Why don't you go learn there? Like, And kind of using those connections to kind of go further and further. 
And then you ended up at 11 Madison Park. How did that happen? That one happened in a somewhat funny. I went to their book tour when they came out the first cookbook. And I had been making dishes from the book. And that Which one, were not easy dishes to make. Not easy way. dishes to make, no. They were very challenging and very satisfying when I like, I re- remember specifically there's like one dish that like the plate that I made of it looked exactly like the photo in the book. And that was the thing that convinced them was I was like, oh, I've been cooking from the thing. And they're like, can we see? And I showed them a few of the like recipes that I had cooked from it. And they're all kind of like, whoa, like we didn't really expect that. And then they were like, if you ever want to come like hang out in the kitchen in New York, let us know. As like a very casual thing. And then like the next morning I was like, so I can come in like two weeks and <laughs> kind of jumped on it. At that time, I had only sort of just kind of thought about these restaurants, Love Madison Park, French Laundry, these sort of like meccas in the U.S. I thought I'd get there eventually, but being able to at such a young age, like I think that was right when they got their third star and they were sort of in like the peak of everything. It was a pretty sort of like, I think eye-opening experience in the way of being like, this is definitely what I want to do. Like I've seen the fullest extent now and I know that that's the sort of marker to go for. Cool. And so was it always about coming to New York and opening a restaurant? Because I think you started Eureka here as well. That was the name of your restaurant you were running out of the the home. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm from LA, but I never really thought I was like an LA person. I never really resonated with it. The lifestyle with, I mean, I still don't know how to drive. I really was like (laughs) never that into it. And I mean, in the US, like I think New York was really the only place that I wanted to be. And so, I mean, after I finished school, I I moved to Europe for a little bit and worked around there, um, mostly in Scandinavia. And I got an opportunity to do, it was like a six month pop-up in New York in the West Village originally. And that to me was really exciting because I did, I think, three versions of this six-month pop in different spaces. And it was such a nice thing to do because, one, it was literally practice for running a restaurant. We were open four days a week. We had a staff, had purveyors that I had to pay. We were on terms. We had to do reservations. Like, it was literally, like, the exact same as running the restaurant today. Like, right. And so that made it so much easier that I already had all the purveyors and relationships and stuff for... I mean, I've been in New York for almost six years now. So wow. for six years, opposed to just if you're opening a restaurant and going in cold, it was like we had already fostered these relationships with farmers and, and people just kind of by doing these little dinners. That's how I got most of my investors were people who came to the dinners and how we have so many customers to to come to Gem who had eaten the pop-up when I was 15 or 16 and come back once a year or whatever ever sure. since then. So it's sort of, it was sort of a great way to kind of just slowly start building kind of a name in New York. And so you stopped doing Eureka and opened Gem. Why a different name? I wanted it to be a different thing. Eureka started when I was 12 years old and it was a pop-up. It was always impermanent. And I didn't really have much attachment to the name. Eureka felt it was created in California. I, it was the street that we lived on. Oh, okay. Where, that was where the name cool. came from. It's a very sort of California name. And I, was, I wanted something that felt more kind of genuine to New York. So you're not only a chef, you're not only a business owner, but you're a brand manager. And you've you got to do it all. <laughs> you've got Eureka, you've got Gem, but 
you also have Chef Flynn, like with your, you've had a documentary produced about you. You've gotten lots of really good press along the way. How do you think about how you build each of those brands? It's actually very funny because I, I've been thinking a lot about that recently of the sort of transition in kind of the chef world of like how you as a person are sort of worth more as a brand than your restaurant is at this point. Like there's still some True. Pe- some True. chefs who are known through the restaurant, but most restaurants now are known th- because of their chefs. True. And everything is chef driven now. It's like how you know the the front person in the rock band and yeah, we are brands as like an artist, you create this sort of a brand identity. And how can you not go, no, 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 I'm not a brand. I'm just a chef. I'm just in the kitchen because that's kind of stupid because right now it's like, why would you not capitalize on the fact that everyone's interested in like me doing a campaign for something or whatever? And so, I mean, that's honestly, that's when we found our sort of stride recently was when I stopped going, we are a restaurant first and I'm the chef and going, the restaurant is essentially a like a PR thing for me and right and which is such a weird way to think about it It still makes me uncomfortable but it's like it is this thing of like I mean I was just in Switzerland cooking an event and it was like they brought chef Flynn McGarry over not like Gem restaurant is coming over it was like I came over but the reason that they invited me over was because someone came and ate at the restaurant and and was like this is an amazing experience and so when I started thinking of it less of like I'm the kind of facilitator for the restaurant's image, kind of flipping it and going, the restaurant is going to help me and vice versa because when we do that event, the money goes to the restaurant. It is this sort of like more balancing act now than I think it ever has been where there's different ways to make your business successful that isn't just people coming and sitting in the restaurant every single night. Okay, so you've opened Gem. It's got a great tasting menu, which you change almost daily. Tell me about how you come up with each night's menu. And I know that you, you're you always reinventing what you're putting on a dish. Yeah, I mean, however much things change really depends on the season. In the winter, things don't change that often because we only have 20 things to cook with. In the summer, things change a lot more. Um, and I think that is sort of even the kind of base of how I get inspired by the dishes because in the winter, the ingredients aren't that inspiring. They're all roots in the ground. I mean, some really incredible fish, but like you got one set. Yeah. You got like 30 things back. So it's not like this like abundance that's the inspiration. The inspiration is almost about how you only have 30 things and how do you take those 30 things and 18 of them taste pretty much the exact same also and serve a 14 course menu that can flow and has different textures and flavors and temperatures. And how do we have one course that's really showing the sweetness and one course that's showing the savoriness of it. And one course that's showing that maybe we cook the root vegetable less and it's not soft. It still has some crunch to it and we make it cold and spicy. And how do you sort of manipulate it enough to make everything very different but then in the summertime the inspiration comes from how do we not mess up these things that are perfect already but also elevate them and make it not so we're just being like here's a tomato on a plate and so that's sort of where everything starts is with that sort of idea of 
the menu as a whole of what I want to sort of show for the season or for the time, even for the time of the restaurant. Like right now, I've kind of recently getting into the the wine side of the menu, the, sure. the pairing, and because also it's it's a time of year where you have that time, if that makes sense. Like in the summer, it's like I'm at the farmer's market constantly. There's so much change. Right. Every day there's something new coming out of the ground. you can't focus on other things. It's like you. the summer is literally just like what like food. Right. Like I think about this all the time where it's like in the summer, I don't do wine pairings because there's no way to pair it. Like we can't order wine and then right. change the, the pairing here, every single day. You miss the window. And so it's, but it's like this sort of, depending on the season, I can divert my energy in different places. So if the menu's set for a month, I don't have to think that hard about what we're cooking every day. It's pretty easy. Right. So then I can think about the wine service or the actual like service part of the meal. And but then in the summer, we're just like cooking. And like that's what it's focused on a hundred percent. So you as a chef, you can't do everything yourself, but you have a pretty lean staff. So you don't have a lot of people working with you, but you do have a big network of partners that bring you wine, bring you other kinds of drinks, bring you other kinds of produce. Like how do you how do you work that collaboration across your network of suppliers and contacts that help you do new things? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's such an important thing for me of like, we don't grow the food, we don't make the wine. Like, how do we showcase these other people who have the same mentality than we that we have? And there's never something that just gets served without me checking it. And I think it's it's this thing of like, now we've sort of found purveyors that kind of get us and get what I want and are excited by that. I think that's sort of the biggest thing is how do you make these people who don't technically work for you excited about what you're doing? And that's always being like the one person who's asking for the thing that no one has. And like we found these incredible fish purveyors and I've been asking for giant oysters forever. And they had to like go find someone who's been growing these oysters for like 14 years. We're the only people getting them because no one else wanted them because they were gigantic. But that made them so excited to work with us because it was a challenge. Sure. It was like me going, I'm going to challenge you by being like, I want this. And I think that's what has sort of always excited people, even down to like the design in the restaurant. Your design is very different. Like it's, there's not a lot of seats in it, Gem. No, it's very small. Um, But we change it all the time too. And as it changes... I do a lot of the honest, like the, the <laughs> construction myself um, and enjoy that. But also like we have a sort of expert woodworker who built our tables and everything who you get excited by like they invest themselves into it as well because it's not just going, oh, like I want a table like this. It's going like, no, I want something specifically like this that is like very out there and kind of challenging other people by doing that. And I think... It's a it's a, such a clear thing of either people will thrive in that or they don't call us back. It's like a very clear like <laughs> either we're like we want to do this crazy thing and they're down or they're just like we're not the place for you. It's so interesting because it feels very much like it would be your home. Like it it's it not is. doesn't feel like a what you would expect in a restaurant. It feels like I'm going into Flynn McGarry's home and there were three four tables here tonight and we're just going to have a little meal together. I mean there are very little. There's maybe like, I would say, 5% of what we actually do at the restaurant is a normal thing to do at a restaurant. The rest of it is literally like, feels like just cooking dinner for friends. Like, 
there are little things that you, or whatever you have to do to like legally run a restaurant. But other than that, it's like we don't operate the same way a restaurant that serves 40 people a night does. Like down to the containers that we put things in. We put things True. in like ceramic yeah. containers because it looks better. Like and it looks more homey. We don't want it to. I didn't want it to feel like a restaurant. There's a million restaurants and I think it's way more interesting to be something else. I don't really have a word for it yet. I'm trying to <laughs> switch the brand. It's more of like, it's like a, I think the easiest thing I've always sort of compared it to is it's like a, sort of like an atelier. It's a place that I can go explore whatever I'm interested in. So whether that's redesigning the whole restaurant, because that's what I'm interested in, or whether that's discovering all the stuff about wine or creating a new menu or doing whatever. It's just the space that we can create that. And then that's what I think is really beautiful about restaurants is it shows everything. It is a space that literally encompasses every single art form possible. And that's what I think is so interesting about you because you have, you're young, but you've explored an awful lot from really good, talented people. So it kind of is a culmination of things you're learning along the way. And the product of what you make, the food quality is outstanding. What I'm curious about is you're pushing to be a great chef and always a better chef and and you've got a couple of stars and you want to have even more and like that's always going to be a process. But let's talk about the business side now because you're not just a chef now, you're a business owner. What have you learned about that process and are you as good a business owner as you are a chef? I learned I'm not a bad business owner, but I'm a creative person. And that is our business. I think a very stupid thing that a lot of people do now is with chefs, they go, okay, you're a really talented chef. Now we're going to only make you do the business. And you know nothing about that. And now you don't have time to do what you're actually good at. And then that will actually diminish the business. And that's the thing that I think was something to be comfortable in of like, our business is making great food, having people have a great time. That's it. And that's how we make money is by doing that. Right. And that's why I made the restaurant so small is that if we're so small, I could actually focus on that stuff. Because when we first opened, we were a little bit bigger. We had a staff of 12 people. I spent all day dealing with staff and yeah. dealing with all of the that stuff. I was on my computer all day. And I was like, that's not like what I do. The thing that I'm really good at is creating this experience, creating this menu. And how do I do as little of the business stuff as possible and almost make it run just like a small kind of creative business? Like I, I know so many restaurants that are just full businesses. They're all about the bottom line, your percentages on everything. That's not what we do. It's like, it's right. like we give ourselves enough room to invest where we think it's worth it. And I never wanted a, a restaurant that was like me just doing costing all day. Right. No, that's for, a whole different skill set than what but you're it, No, I mean, at. and it's like, I, and it is an interesting skill set to learn and, and I've tried it, but I've found for what I do, it's pointless. It's a waste of time. Right. All of these systems are created for how to deal with having a large group of people. If we are serving 80 people a week, we buy food for 80 people a week. And if it costs too much money, we change the menu. Like right. that is how simple it can be. And I think that's a big thing with restaurants is people tend to make them a lot more complicated than they are. 
And I mean, I understand there's a lot of things in New York that would make you do that. I mean, we thankfully have pretty cheap rent and a lot of opportunities that give us sort of leeway that a lot of restaurants don't, even our menu format. There's one thing you can eat at the restaurant. There's one menu. Right. We serve it to everyone. Yeah. Which I, I learned that people, whether or not they want to admit they like it, it's like if you have three options and they're all good, even for the, we do that with wine. It's like you have a couple options. Right. We know what we're doing for a reason. Every restaurant I loved in Europe, like it was like, do you want to do this, this or this? That's what we have. If you want something else, you can go to another restaurant. Like, yeah. And that's the thing that I sort of realized of like, yeah, if you want a thousand item wine list or to be able to choose whatever you want to eat or have a big group of people bigger than eight, like there's thousands and thousands of restaurants in New York. Like you come to our restaurant to have this experience. So we don't really have to do anything else. Well, it's interesting. There are so many restaurants in New York and you found something that's different and you've got it running really well. Are you going to just stick with us for a while? Do you have anything that you're planning to do next? Um, I don't want to, for a very long time, open another restaurant. I mean, the restaurant I have to be at every single day. So if I had another restaurant, that gem would change. Right. Um, the thing that I was like, what do I want to do next, is how do I explore the other parts that I really enjoy? So we're opening a, a bakery in January. Really? And that came about of I, I wanted to have sort of a neighborhood bakery and it honestly came because I can't bake and I was like <laughs> this is the one sort of thing that I could do that I don't have to be there every single day because I physically can't do it if I physically could do it I would be there every day but my brain just does not work like that um, and you would have to do the bakery before you even went to the green market in the exactly. morning exactly <laughs> too early for me I wanted to design something else designed something that, that was more public and, and a different sort of vibe. And so that's why I kind of wanted to do that was to focus on the design side. Um, I'm working on a couple other sort of things in books and, and thinking about my friend and I have been talking for a while about kind of releasing these almost like coffee table books of, of, of food shot in very different ways, which is another interest of mine. But like, how do you expand your brand not just being a chef where it's like I, I say this all the time of like at this point I think chefs are more creative directors than they are chefs because if you think about the super famous restaurants I think like one of my favorite examples is like Noma in Copenhagen they only serve about 100 people a night it's $400 for dinner not a lot of people are going to eat at that restaurant but because of social media everyone knows what Noma looks like and what Noma's food looks like that's what is more recognizable than the food itself. True. Because only a very small group of people get to actually eat the food. But a very, I mean, they have almost a million followers. That many people know what Noma looks like. So Noma is more valuable as a like visual entity. And the chef who decided that plate and that silverware, that has rippled through the food world so much more, that's way more recognizable than a single dish that they had on their December menu. So are you doing your menu with the mindset of how will this look on Instagram? No, it's it's not necessarily that. It's it's more of the how do you create a entire experience from the design to just the physical experience in the restaurant that is genuine and unique enough that you can apply those mentalities to a bakery, to a book, to whatever 
and it's recognizable as the same thing. So when you walk in the bakery, it's not going to look exactly the same as Gem, but it was thought of with the same ideas. There's the same little touches and little personal things. And so that I think is something that's really important of like, how do you tie these things together that are all very different? I mean, we're a fine dining restaurant. That's a bakery. There are very little crossovers as far as what we're serving. So how do we make the experience and the visuals be familiar and comforting and have the same kind of ideas behind it? How do we use these materials that I really like and these textures and colors and dimensions and sounds? What kind of music is it playing? What's the lighting like? Like all of those things I think are more recognizable than a single dish that we make on the menu because I, I honestly don't remember most of the food we cook because it, it <laughs> I remember some dishes in particular. You remember. <laughs> but like I we, we make something and, and you might remember it, but the general population remembers what the restaurant looks like and what the plate might look like or what an interview I did might be more so than just like the specific plate of food. Right. And so it's like how do you yeah still focus on that plate of food for people like you that come to the restaurant and and that they can have that because then it's also even a more special experience because you're one of the only people that can actually be like, oh, I tasted that. I didn't just see it. I didn't just hear about the concept. I like experienced it in its entirety. And then when you go to the bakery or read a, a book, whatever, you're seeing all these similarities. And I think that is what's the most interesting about brands of how do you take all these different sort of art forms and and creative fields and go, I'm going to put this little individual stamp on each single one that kind of ties them all together. So we've talked a lot about what's next for Jem, for Chef Flynn. What about the restaurant business? It's changed so much in recent years. Where do you see it going from here? I think the restaurant industry as a whole is going to start kind of focusing more on individuals doing things different again. I think we've been in this sort of, not rut, but like this pattern of this sort of restaurant pops up, everyone recreates that restaurant, which is not a good uh, strategy because then you have 30 of the same restaurant and they're all really busy for a little bit. But then if you have 30 of the same restaurant and one of them's a little bit better, you're just going to go to that one. And so I think, and I hope that the restaurant industry focuses more on investing in people who have unique ideas, whether or not that might not be the most like successful thing immediately, but will be much better, I think, for the culture as a long term, like to be able to broaden our horizons and, and kind of push the ideas in restaurants opposed to just kind of being like, this works, so let's just do it again a million times, which, I mean, honestly, just in New York, it's been such a big thing of like, you see these trends happen and then the trends happen and the trend leaves and the restaurant closes. Have there been any trends you've seen emerge that you thought, oh, I wish I'd jumped on that or I'd love to bring no. a little bit of that into what we're doing? I hate all trends. <laughs> they, I mean, I, I find them interesting, but I find it way more satisfying to do something that doesn't fit with it at all. I mean, we opened a tasting menu restaurant when there were like people being like, tasting menus are dead. And I think it's way more interesting because then you can do literally whatever you want. If everyone goes, what you do is dead then you're like cool now we have the full kind of autonomy to be like now it's going to be like this and opposed to 
opening something that everyone already thinks they know in their head and you have to conform to that. I think that would be a very frustrating way to live life. I think people need to be a little bit more genuine, even yeah. if even if that means that you might fail, which is, I think, a very just scary idea for a lot of people, even though most restaurants do fail. So that's why I'm like, why would you be so scared of this? You're probably going to fail anyway. Right. Might as well go out in doing something unique. Thanks, Chef Flynn. That was fun. Thanks so much for having me. I had a great time. And thank you for listening to this edition of Project Next. Until next time, I'm Brian Martin.